Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Recover Your Soul. My name is Rachel Harrison, and this is a podcast offering inspiration, strength, and hope through the tools of recovery, spirituality, and positive psychology. I started RecoverYourSoul.net after having profound positive changes in my life in my recovery from alcoholism and control addiction. I was guided to share these tools with others through this podcast, as well as offering personal coaching. Personal recovery does not need an addiction to use the tools and principles to better our lives and transform. Just the desire to do the work and make the changes in our lives. I'm on the path to becoming an ordained minister as I continue to study and deepen my relationship with the spiritual principles that have brought me a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. I know that together we can do the work that will recover our souls. So here we are in season two and at the beginning of the year. And in last episode, we talked about having an intention for the year. What are we willing to do? Are we willing to really take responsibility for ourselves and our own happiness? We create our own life and our own happiness. And are we willing to do what it takes to move on to those next steps to create that life that we want? For me, meditation has been really instrumental in a change of how my mind works over the last three years of recovery. And this is pretty funny if you knew how I was raised. So I was actually raised in a very unique lifestyle. When I was little, we lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. My parents were hippies and my parents were also Buddhists. And my mother is a practicing Buddhist to this day. So Tibetan Buddhism had just come into the United States uh, in the early 70s. And we were lucky enough to really be introduced to the compassion and love and gentleness and spirit that came from these Tibetan Buddhist practices. And so even though I didn't really hold on to Buddhism as my higher power of choice, it really has been a foundation of who I am and my inner core. And so to have a mother who's been practicing meditation for my entire 50 years and encouraging me to meditate for those 50 years and the fact that just now in the last three years I've discovered in my life just shows you that it's all about baby steps. So what I think about is when I was in college My mom sent me to um, a retreat weekend where we meditated for the whole weekend. And I think at that age and that time in my life, I just, even with the foundation of being raised Buddhist, 
I didn't have the capacity to just be and sit with myself for that amount of time, for that period of time. I remember the weekend being very hard. Uh, I remember that I kept falling asleep, that I could not get my brain to slow down and it didn't feel comfortable to me. And I think the more that I've learned about emotional and mental discomfort, it only makes sense that at that age, I just was not ready to take on the peace and dedication and willingness to look inside and take control of my brain yet. So for all those other years, my mom had been encouraging me to just meditate five minutes a day, just, you know, just for a little bit every day. And I think that when I thought about meditation, what I went back to was that meditation weekend and that particular practice of meditation of the breath and of really trying to have a clean, clear mind and just concentrating on the breath. And it just felt so absolutely impossible for me that I didn't really jump into it. I couldn't quite take it seriously. And as my story is, my life was really chaotic. I was an active uh, alcoholic and I had a very loving yet dysfunctional family. There was a lot of chaos in my life. I had was raising two boys. I had a um, husband who um, is an adventurer and has always has to have something going on. And there was always a lot of intensity happening in the world around me. And when I look at how addicted almost you can become to how your mind spins and how you can get caught up in that spinning brain. And I know I did that. I used drinking as a way to calm down my mind. I used TV to check out as a way to calm down my mind. I used shopping as a way to calm down and check out my mind, but I wasn't willing to do the work that said, okay, are you willing to look at your mind? Are you willing to look at your thought patterns? Are you willing to look at your reactivity? Are you willing to look at your mental habits? Are you willing to look at how you personally need to do something different in your thinking to make the changes? And back in those times, I wasn't ready. So we know that meditation by science has success. We know that it reduces stress. We know that it controls anxiety. We know for a fact that it promotes a mental and emotional health. We know that it enhances your self-awareness of who you are. We have definite evidence that shows that it can increase your lifespan and your health, that it can be helpful with memory, that it can help you be more compassionate to yourself and to others. And we also know that it's been proven to help with addictions. We know that it can help with sleep. We know that it can help control pain that it can decrease blood pressure. But what is it that makes it so that even though we know that there's something so good for us, we won't take the time to do it? So for me, it was because I had a misconception that meditation meant that one 
type of meditation that I had learned in that retreat and what was the basic teachings of Tibetan meditation from my childhood. That sitting in a quiet room for very long periods of time, concentrating on your breath and really trying to release your thinking so that the object of the meditation was to have a silent and quiet mind. And that felt like too much. So once I discovered that there were other options, a lot of other options, I feel like meditation has become such a blessing to me. And I am watching my brain change. I can feel the change in how my mental state works, how I feel, how I react to things, how quickly something can upset me, how quickly I can let go of that. I can tell you that in the last three years, this practice of meditation has changed my life. And the reason why is because I started with baby steps. And I think that there is such a blessing that there is so much available in all the different kinds of meditation now. So one of the things that was helpful to me was really allowing for guided meditations. And in the Calm and Insight Timer apps, you have choices free and paid of meditations from anywhere from three minutes to hours that guide you with music and with intentions and with affirmations or with positive self-talk or with visualizations, whatever works for you. And so I found that for me, I couldn't just do the sit in the silence. My brain was so busy. There was not a chance that I could be present and allow myself to be present. But when I allowed people to speak to me, when I listened to music and I started with just those five, six, seven minute meditations, and that was all I could handle at the, during the day, something began to open in my mind. And then I started recognizing that I could watch my mind in a way that I hadn't done before. I could be an observer to what I was thinking instead of just being the thinking. And what I've realized in my meditation practice is that's the key for me, that when I can observe my thinking rather than being wrapped up in the thinking, I have a choice about whether I'm going to continue those thoughts whether I'm going to sublimate them and move to a positive energy, um, positive thought and to change it. I can decide whether I can realize that those thoughts are um, unhealthy and full of fear. I can observe the thoughts and realize that I'm full of worry or in the future and take a step back and just breathe and let them go. So now I find that my meditation practices have changed to where I really enjoy the guided meditations on a regular basis, but I've found now that I also really like about 20 or 30 minutes of not silence because I prefer to have a musical background of some sort, but where my mind is more still. 
And it definitely starts thinking, that's for sure. But I, those spaces in between where my mind was so busy, so chaotic, so full of trying to fix everything out there, trying to figure out how I personally was going to make all the changes or all the things that needed to happen in life stop. And now I find that my meditation practice is that time, which is a really special sacred time that I do every morning. And I know that it's encouraged to, like we talked about last episode, that the least resistance that you can create for yourself, the easier it is to start a new habit. So if there's a time of day that works better for you and five minutes while the coffee is brewing in the coffee pot is all you got to sit down and just be quiet or to do a guided meditation or a quiet meditation or before you go to bed or, you know, whatever your your personal patterns are, what your life is. And and now that I don't have to jump up and be at work at eight o'clock in the morning, I have this space that is new and different for me. I also realize I have the gift of being an empty nester. So I, I realize that finding that space can be a lot harder for some people. I've also discovered that there are times and places where I would have never realized that I had the opportunity to be meditating when I'm actually in activity. And those have been really incredible for me too, to just be driving, for example. So we drive so automatically. And the truth is our body is doing the work and we're really only paying attention a very small amount to the fact that we're actually driving. And I know for me, driving was a time of trying to get to where I was going and I was, you know, aggravated at the other drivers or I was always, I've always, always been late. I'm not as late anymore, but I was always running late and every single stop sign that came or red light was just more than I could handle. Right. So I'm in this pressure keg in the car and Once I started doing this practice and noticing what I was thinking and observing my thoughts and making decisions that I didn't want to have that level of pressure, I didn't want to have that level of uncomfortableness or frustration in my day, driving has become a place where you have to be driving. So drive. So be more aware of the actual moments of what it takes to drive a car. That's mindfulness, to be mindful of the actual activity that's happening. And I look at the scenery and I appreciate the trees and I appreciate the weather and I appreciate and think about blessings of the people who are driving around who might be having a hard day and not in their bodies. Sometimes I'll listen to music that allows me to just really sort of tune into that inner part of myself so that that time in my car, those 15 minutes to an hour where it's just me driving around, 
becomes a really special time for me rather than a time of frustration and just getting from point A to point B and allowing my mind to spin. I know that I used to jump in the car and think, well, who can I call and get that out of the way? You know, while I'm in the car driving, I can also get a phone call out of the way. And now I don't know. It's it's like I want that special time for myself, because every time I add more meditation time into my life, the more present I become with myself, the more connected I become with my inner knowing that I'm connected to my higher power of my understanding, the more my mind quiets, the more my mind quiets, the more my heart quiets, the less reactive I am to the situations around me, the more aware I am of what is mine to do and what isn't mine to do. I also find that When I wake up in the middle of the night and have one of those, you're awake for an hour for no reason. Um, Generally, it's because my mind starts spinning. You know, you wake up because you need to go to the bathroom or your husband moved or for whatever reason. And then my mind wakes up and just starts going. And I'm so grateful that now, instead of just allowing the spin, I catch myself I'm strengthening that muscle that's the catching myself. I catch myself in the spin and I take that time to think, okay, I'm going to treat this as a meditation practice instead of being frustrated that I'm awake. And I do the more traditional meditation of concentrating on my breathing, counting my slow breaths, coming back to the breath. Noticing when I'm starting to think again, letting those thoughts go, saying an affirmation, all is well. Sometimes I say this serenity prayer, God, give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Sometimes I do more prayers But I come back to that place where I am telling myself that I am in meditation instead of being in a frustrated awake time. And that little shift has made those awake night times shorter and more pleasant, more more pleasurable to have them and think to myself, I'm going to be in this quiet state versus to be frustrated. And I think that is a description of my mind now that I can be in any type of situation. And I find that I can just have a minute to just go into myself, to turn within and take a couple deep breaths to recognize and be in my body, to feel my arms, to feel my legs to notice what my body is feeling, to have gratitude, to reach to my higher power of my understanding. If I'm feeling stressed, to ask for the strength and the intuition to know what to do next. And so it may be that for you, your meditation practice isn't anything like what I've described. But what it gives you is that sense of 
observing yourself and being mindful and being present. I'm not the first person to say that now is the only moment that we have. And the more I take the time to really be present in the now, the more I feel like I'm in the flow of what's supposed to be happening. And I'm not having to push really hard one way or another for the flow to happen for me in positive ways. And it doesn't mean that there's not heartache or reaction or concern or difficult moments, but those difficult moments and those difficult days are further and further between and more easily released than they used to be. And again, these recovery tools, these spiritual tools, these life tools, these connection tools are available to all of us when we're ready to use them, when we're ready to take what is right there in front of us because we want a happier, healthier, fuller, more prosperous life. But it takes work. It means that we have to be willing to make those changes, to carve out time in our day for meditation, even for three or five minutes and gradually increasing that time. So find something that works for you. Try a bunch of different things. If you already have a meditation practice, dig in deeper. Dig in deeper and allow that space of being with yourself and with your higher power and the connection to yourself and to the universe and all that is good to really increase and broaden and become more whole and easily accessible to you in every moment. I'm grateful for the change in reactivity that I feel more that I can respond. And that is a major change for me. And I I really feel that the more I do this work, the more it's opening up to additional options and additional values and additional um, opportunities to grow and to change. And my heart feels different. My body feels different. I have achieved almost all of the things that have been scientifically proven. My health is better. I don't have as much pain as I used to. I sleep better. I'm not an addict, an active addict anymore. I find that I'm more compassionate and loving. I have a much better memory. And I hope that I live longer. I'm aware of myself. I have compassion and my emotional health is profoundly different than it used to be. My anxiety is profoundly different than it used to be. And I think that the stress that I felt on every moment of every day has changed. And there's a lot of factors and it's not just meditation, but it's all of these tools that we use to recover our souls to do for ourselves what we deserve. So I hope that you will take this opportunity to look into some meditation if you're not doing it yet. Really be in touch with yourself. Allow yourself to be present in your body exactly where you are without judgment about whether you're doing it right or wrong. 
If you are doing any level of meditation, you are absolutely doing something right. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. For more information, please visit the website, recoveryoursoul.net, where you can find out more about Rachel, book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to music, connect to social media, as well as subscribe to receive updates. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become part of our transformation community. If you'd like to support the production of this podcast, we'd love for you to visit the website and donate on the homepage. Thank you. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.